0: Bran, the morning had dawned clear and cold with a crispness that hinted at the end of summer. They set forth at daybreak to see a man beheaded, twenty in all, and Bran rode among them, nervous with excitement. This was the first time he had been deemed old enough to go with his lord father and his brothers to see the king's justice done. It was the ninth year of summer, and the seventh of Bran's life. The man had been taken outside, a small hole fast in the hills. Wob thought he was a wildling, his sword sawn to man's rider, the king beyond the wall. It made, it made Bran's skin prickle to think of it. He remembered the hearth tales of old Nan. The white links were cruel men," she said, "slavers and slayers and thieves. They consulted with giants and ghouls, stole girl children, and the dead of the night, and drank blood from polished horns. Their women lay with, uh, lay with the others, and the long night to sire terrible half-human children. But the men they found bound, hand and foot." To the holdfast wall waiting, the king's justice was old and scrawny, not much taller than Rob. He had lost both ears and a finger to frostbite, and he dressed all in black, the same as the brother of the knight's slaughter except that his fruits were wet and greasy. The breath of man and horse mingled, steaming in the cold morning air, as his Lord Father had the man cut down from the wall and dragged before them. whop and John sat tall and still on the horses, with Bran between them on his pony, trying to seem older than Seven, trying to pretend that he'd seen all this before. A faint wind blew through the whole fast gate, and over the heads flapped the banner of the starks of Winterfell gray dire wolf racing across an ice-white field. Bran's father sat solemnly on his horse, long brown hair stirring in the wind. His closely trimmed beard was shot with white making him look older than this, than his thirty-five years. He had a grim cast to his gray eyes this day. And he seemed not, odd, not at all the man who would sit before the fire in the evening and talk softly of the age of heroes and the children of the forest. He had taken off Father's face, Brand thought, and done the face of Lord Stark of Winterfell. There were questions asked and answers given there in the chill of morning. But afterward Bran could not recall much of what had been said. Finally his lord father gave a command, and two of his guardsmen dragged the wagged man to the ironwood stump in the center of the square. They forced his head down onto the hard black wood. Lord Eddard Stark, dismounted, and his war Theon Greyjoy brought forth the sword, Ice, that sword was called. It was wide across as a man's hand, and taller even than Wop. The blade was Valyrian steel, spell forged and dark as smoke. Nothing held a edge like Valyrian steel. His father peeled off his gloves and handed them to Joey Cassell, the captain of his household guard. He took hold of Ice with both hands and said, "In the name of Robert of the House Baratheon, the first of his name." King of the Andals and the Wainar and the First Men, Lord of the Seven Kingdoms and Protector of the Thrill. By the word of Eddard of the House Stark, Lord of Winterfell and Warden of the North, I do sentence you to die. He lifted the great sword high above his head. Bran's bastard brother, Jon Snow, moved closer. Keep the pony well in hand, he whispered. And don't look away, father will know if you do. Bran kept his pony well in hand and did not look away. His father took off the man's head with a single sure stroke. Blood sprayed out across the snow as red as summer wine. One of the horses reared and had to be restrained to keep from bolting. Bran could not take his eyes off the blood. The snows around the stump drank it eagerly. Reddening as he watched, the head bounced off a thick root and rolled. It came up near Greyjoy's feet. Theon was a lean, dark youth of nineteen who found everything amusing. He laughed, put his boot on the head, and kicked it away. Ass, John muttered. Low enough, so Greyjoy did not hear. He put a hand on Bran's shoulder. And Bran looked over at his busted brother. You did well, John told him solemnly. John was 14, an old, an old hand at justice. It seemed colder on the lung, wide right back to Winterville, though the wind had died by then and the sun was high in the sky. Bran rode with his brothers, well ahead of the main party his ponies struggling hard to keep up with their horses. The deserter died bravely, Rob said. He was, he was big and broad and growing every day, with his mother's coloring, the fair skin, red-brown hair, and blue eyes of the tallies of Riverrun. He had courage, at, li- at the least. No, John Snow said quietly. It was not courage. This one was dead of fear. You could see it in his eyes. Stark. John's eyes were, a gray, were a gray, so dark they seemed almost black. But there was little they did not see. He was of an age with Wop, but they did not look alike. John was slender, where Wop was muscular. Dark, where Wop was fair, and most graceful, and quick, where his half brother was strong and fast. Wop was not impressed. The others take his eyes. He saw. He died well. Raise you to the bridge? Done, John said, kicking his horse forward. Wop cursed and followed, and they galloped off down the trail. Wop laughing and hooting, John silent and in intent. The hoofs of their horses kicked up, and showers of snow as they went. Bran did not try to follow, his pony could not keep up. He had seen the wagged man's eyes. And he was thinking of them now. After a while he saw the sound of Warp's laughter weeded, and the woods grew silent again. So deep in thought was he that he never heard the rest of the party until his father moved up to ride right beside him. Are you well, Bran? he asked, not unkindly. Yes, father, Bran told him. He looked up, wept in his furs and leathers, mounted on his great war horse. His lord father loomed over him like a giant. Rob says, The man died bravely, but John says he was afraid. What do you think? His father asked. Bran thought about it. Can a man still be brave if he's afraid? That is the only time a man can be brave, his father had told him. Do you understand why I did it? He was a wildling, Bran said. They carry off women and sell them to the others. His lord father smiled. Old Nan has been telling you stories again. In truth, the man was an oath breaker, a deserter from the Night's Watch. No man is more dangerous. The deserter knows his life is forfeited if he's taken, so he will not flinch from any crime. No matter how vile. But you mistake me. The question was not why the man had to die, but why I must do it. Brand had no answer for that. King Wop has a headsman, he said uncertainly. He does, his father admitted, as did the Targaryen kings before him. Yet our way is the older way. The blood of the first men still flows in the veins of the Starks, and we hold to the belief that the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. If you would take a man's life, you owe it to him to look into his eyes and hear his final words. And if you cannot bear to do that, then perhaps the man does not deserve to die. One day, Bran, you will be Wob's banner man, holding a keep of your own for your brother and your king. And justice will fall to you. When that day comes, you must take no pleasure in the task, but neither must you look away. A ruler who hides behind paid executioners soon forgets what death is. That was when John re-appeared on the crest of the hill before them. He waved and shouted down at them. Father, Bran, come quickly. See what Rob has found. Then he was gone again. we rode up beside them. Trouble, my lord. Beyond a doubt, his Father said. Come, let's see what mischief my sons have rooted out now. He sent his horse into a trot. John and Bran and the rest came after. They found Rob on the riverbank north of the bridge, with John still mounted beside him. The late summer snows had been heavy this month, moonturn. Rob stood knee deep and white, his hood pulled back so the sun shone in his hair. He was cradling something in his arm, while the boys talked in hushed, excited voices. The riders picked their way carefully through the drifts, groping for solid footing on the hidden, uneven ground. Joey Cassell and Theon Greyjoy were the first to reach the boys. Greyjoy was laughing and joking as he rode. Bran heard the breath go out of him. Gods, he exclaimed, struggling to keep control of his horse as he reached for a sword. Joey's sword was already out. Wop, get away from it, he called as his horse wheeled under him. Wop grinned and looked up from the bundle in his arms. She can't hurt you, he said. She's dead, Jory. Bran was afire with cu- curiosity by then. He would have spurred the pony faster, but his father made them dismount beside the bridge and a pre- a- approach on foot. Bran jumped off and ran. By then, John, Jory, and Dion Greyjoy had all dismounted as well. What in the seven hills is it, Greyjoy was saying. A wolf who told him. A freak, Greyjoy said. Look at the size of it. Bran's heart was thumping in his chest as he pushed through the waist-high drift to his brother's side. Half-buried in blood-stained snow. A huge, dark shape slumped in death. Ice had formed in its shaggy grey fur, and the faint smell of corruption clung to it like a woman's perfume. Brain glimpsed blind eyes, crawling with maggots, a white mouth full of yellow teeth. But it was the size of it that made him gasp. It was bigger than his pony, twice the size of the largest hound in his father's kennel. no freak, John said calmly. That's a dire wolf. They grow larger than the other kind. the Gwaijo said there's not been a dire wolf sighted south of the wall in two th- hundred years. I see one now, John replied. Bran tore his eyes away from the monster. That was when the, he noticed the bundle in Rob's arms. He gave a cry of delight and moved closer. The pub was a tiny ball of grey-black fruit its eyes still closed. It nuzzled blindly against Wop's chest as he cradled it, searching for milk among his levers, making a sad little whimpery sound. Bran reached out hesitantly. Go on, Wop told him you can touch him. Bran gave the pup a quick nervous stroke, then turned as John said, Here you go. His half-brother put a second pup into his arms. There are five of them. Brand sat down in the snow and hugged the wolf pup to his face. Its fur was soft and warm against his cheek. Dire wolves lose in the realm after so many years," muttered Holland, the master of horse. "I like it not that this is a sign," Joey said. Father frowned. "This is only a dead animal," Joey he said. Yet he seemed troubled. Snow crunched under his boots as he moved around the body. Do we know what killed her? There's something in the throat, Robb told him, proud to have found the answer before his father, he even asked. There, just under the jaw, his father knelt and groped under the beast's head with his hand. He gave a yak and held it up for all to see. A A foot of shattered antler, tine snapped off, all wet with blood. A sudden silence descended over the party. The man looked at the antler uneasily, and no one dared to speak. He even Bran could sense their fear, though he did not understand. His father tossed the antler to the side and cleansed his hands in the snow. I'm surprised you lived long enough to whelp, he said. His voice broke the spell. Maybe she didn't, Joey said. I've heard tales. Maybe the bitch was already dead when the pups came. Born with the dead, another man put in. Worse luck. No matter, said Holland, they be dead soon enough, too. Bran gave a wordless cry of dismay. The sooner, the better, Theon Greyjoy agreed. He drew his sword, give the beast, here Bran. The little thing squirmed against him as if it heard and understood. No, Bran cried out, fiercely. It's mine. Put away your sword, Greyjoy, Wob said. For a moment he sounded as commanding as her father, like the lord he would someday be. "'We will keep these pups. You cannot do that, boy,' said Harwin, who was Helen's son. "'It be a mercy to kill them,' Hallen said. Brian looked to his lord father for rescue, but got only a frown and a forward brow. Helen speaks truly, son, better a swift death than a hard one from cold and starvation.' No, he could feel tears swelling in his eyes, and he looked away. He did not want to cry in front of his father. What resisted the stubbornly. So what makes Red Bitch wept again last week? He said. It was a small litter, only two live pups. She'll have milk enough. She'll whip them apart when they try to nurse. Lord Stark John said, It was strange to hear him call father that. So former Bren looked at him with desperate hope. There are five pups, he told father. Three male, two female. What of it, John? You have five two born children, John said. Three sons, two daughters. The direwolf is the sigil sig- sigil of your house. Your children were meant to have these pups, my lord. Bren saw his father's face change, saw the other men exchange glances. He loved John with all his heart at that moment, even at seven, Bran understood what this brother had done. The count had come right only because John had committed himself, had omitted himself. He had included the girls, included even Rick and the baby, but not the bastard who bore this surname Snow. The name that custom decreed to be given to all those in the north unlucky enough to be born with no name of their own. Their father understood as well. You want no pup for yourself, John? He asked softly. The dire wolf grazes the banners of House Stark, John pointed out. I am no Stark, father. Their lord father regarded John thoughtfully. Rob rushed into the silence he left. I will nurse him myself, father, he promised. I will soak a towel with warm milk and give him suck from that. Me too, Bran echoed. The lord waved his sons long and carefully with his eyes. Easy to say, and harder to do. I will not have you wasting the servants' time with this. If you want these pups, you will feed them yourselves. Is it understood? Bran nodded eagerly. The pups squirmed in his grasp, licked at his face with a warm tongue. You must train them as well, their father said. You must train them. The kennel master will have nothing to do with these monsters, I promise you that, and the gods help you if you neglect them or brutalize them or train them badly. These are not dogs to beg for treats and sling of a kick. A dire wolf will whip a man's arm off his shoulder as easily as a dog with a pillow hat. Are you sure you want this? Yes, father, Brand said. Yes, Wub agreed. The pups may die anyway, despite all you do. They won't die, Bob said. We won't let them die. Keep them then. Jory, Dismond, gather up the other pups. It's time we were back to hide Winterfell. It was not until they were mounted and on their way that Bran allowed himself to taste the sweet air of victory. By then his pup was snuggled inside his leathers. Warm against him, safe for the long ride home, Bran was wondering what to name him. Halfway across the bridge, John pulled up suddenly. "What is it, John?" their lord father asked. "Can't you hear it?" Wayne could hear the wind in the trees, the clatter of their hoofs on the iron wood planks, the whimpering of his hungry pup. But John was listening. But John was listening to something else. There, John said. He swung his horse around and galloped back across the bridge. They watched him dismount where the dire wolf lay dead in the snow, watched him kneel. A moment later he was riding back to them, smiling. He must have crawled away from the others, John said. Or been driven away, the father said, looking at the sixth pup. His fur was white, where the rest of the litter was grey. His eyes were as wet, as the blood of the wrecked man, who had died that morning. When thought it grew that his alone would have opened his eyes while the others were still blind. An albino, Theon Greyjoy said, with wide amusement, this one will die even faster than the others. Jon Snow gave his father's water-long, chilling look. I think not, Greyjoy, he said. This one belongs to me.